So next week, we're going to be uh, starting a new series, and uh, the series is going to be kind of unpacking what it means for us to be in the image of God. And, uh, you know, over, over the years, uh, you've probably heard different things, and I've heard different things, and a lot of the things that we understand about how we as human beings alone bear God's image, those things are all true and accurate, but I think there's, there's more to this idea of being imagers of God than, than most of us really understand, and it really has a lot to do with our purpose. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking that, and uh, Travis and Kyle are going to be preaching that series, and uh, during that time, I'm going to take the time I normally spend on preparing for the service and preparing for our messages and those kinds of things, and kind of looking forward and looking ahead and uh, working on uh, kind of the, the, where the direction is that God has, has us going and where he wants to lead us as we move forward. And so I am super excited to, uh, to sit, and, and I was a little jealous, and I, and I kind of uh, a couple weeks ago, you didn't notice this, but Kyle did, because I made the comment in one of the sermons in the Love series about how we're imagers of God and how that's a better way to say it. And he leaned over to Megan in that service and said, Matt just took my point. And I was like, well, that's because you wouldn't let me preach that series. So there, um, payback. Um, anyway, uh, but, but it's going to be awesome. And I'm super excited to, uh, to, to, to do that, walk through that together with, with, with you all. Um, the other thing that I, that I needed to mention that, uh, that, that uh, someone asked me about was uh, uh, this idea of gospel community. And we've been talking about gospel community for a long time. And then, um, again, Kyle, I don't know, I'm blaming Kyle for everything. One Sunday, Kyle was like, it's resurrection community. And it just made a lot of sense to me. And so I've been using those terms interchangeably, but I realized that what goes on in my mind doesn't go on in everyone's mind. And uh, a couple of people were like, what are we, resurrection community or gospel community? I'm not sure what's going on. Matt's confusing me. And so I understand that. And so just so you understand that we are that called community together to live together, to work together, to become more like Jesus. And uh, I'll stick with gospel community just so there's no confusion. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to 1 John chapter 4. We've been talking about this idea of love that, that started back when we were in 1 Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul talks about love, and, and we see love defined as, as being patient, kind, and honest. That's the kind of love that God pours out on us. That's the kind of love God has engaged us with. And so as we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how love, this love that is distinct from Affection, it's distinct from attraction, it's distinct from affinity. But this love that we're talking about, that God loves us with, it originates from God and is defined by God himself. That, that, that maybe those things that I talked about a second ago, maybe those things will, can accompany love for another person. But love is, in its essence has to do with, with my Interaction with you in a patient, kind, and honest way. And those, those attributes being biblically defined. Love is that intersection where those things come together and I love others well. And, and God loves me with that love. We talked last week about how God showed us that love and how that love was manifest and how in giving Christ to us and how God calls us to salvation that he exhibits great patience, kindness, 
and, and honesty with us. And, and that the definitive example of God's love is seen in the death of Jesus at the cross. And for me, the most significant thing from last week, the, maybe the statement that, rings, that stays with me, is that, that you are the object of God's love, but you are not the reason for it. Which is such a freeing and awesome thing because I exhaust myself trying to be the reason for other people to love me. Isn't it great to know that you don't have to give God reason, that you are simply the object? What an awesome thing to find rest in. And so this morning, we're going to go from, from, from looking at God's love and experience God's love and receiving God's love for us to going outward, which is actually the, the full circle of God's love in loving others. Um, but you know what's interesting is, as I think about this idea of love and, and, and how, where God constantly directs us, um, we celebrate something uh, once a month here together as a body. We celebrate communion together. And, and, and communion is the practice that God commands us to do to remember what? To remember the death of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the thing that God calls us to remember when we gather together is the death of Jesus. Nobody wants to remember, be remembered for their death, do they? I mean, when you go to a funeral, wouldn't it be really off-putting if you went to a funeral and the person who was conducting the funeral, instead of giving a message or talking about the life of the person who, who you're honoring that, that day or remembering, that they only talked about how they died. I don't think that would go well at a funeral. That would be really weird. Because at a funeral, no one wants to be remembered for their death. Everyone wants to be remembered for their life. In fact, sometimes at funerals, you're kind of sitting there and you're thinking, huh, I wonder who they're describing because they're being described so pleasantly. And, you know, you're kind of like, but, you know, we, we do that and we're okay with that. We're, we're kind of okay with kind of manipulating the truth at funerals. Like, we're all okay with that because it just makes everyone feel better. And so, and so you know, we want to remember their life and remember their life in the, the best way that we can. Yet in Scripture, when we remember Jesus... We're called to remember his death accurately and regularly, which is unlike anything else that we experience. And here's why. Because the mainspring of love for others is the divine love shown to us in Christ's work on the cross. Christ's work on the cross is that spring that God's love throw, flows through us. That's the ultimate demonstration and example of God's love for us. That's why we remember, we remember Christ's death because it is God's ultimate example of how deeply he loves us, how patient and kind and honest he is with us. Once we begin to understand the incredible price paid for sin and the magnitude of our personal sin, we will understand the love of God and then be able to demonstrate it to others in our lives. You see, when I know and experience God's love for me, then there is nothing in the way of me expressing that same first cause love towards others. When I experience God's love, when I receive God's love, when I agree finally 
when my will and my defenses and my stubbornness is laid aside and I simply become the object of God's love, that changes how I interact with other people. And so in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, um, we're looking at verses 11 and 12 this morning, but I'm going to start in verse 7 to go back to where we started. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we, all ought, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So here's, here's what, what John does is he, is he finishes this thought. He gives a command with a compelling and freeing motivation. He says, if, if then God loved us this way, what way? What way? The way that he would give his son for us, that he would, he, would, he would show his love for us by sacrificing his son on our behalf, not because we deserved it, not because we did something nice for him, not even because we were that pleasant to be around, but because we are the object, not the reason. His, him being love is the reason for that. And so, so he says, he says, love one another. If God loved us this way, love one another because God has already loved you this way. See, you are free to love because you are already loved. I am as full of love as I ever can be because of what God has done for me. We as followers of Jesus should love, not because all those we meet are attractive or deserving people, but because the love of God has transformed us and made us loving people, that we reflect the very nature of God. Because as we just read, it says God is love. That's his nature. And he is transforming us to carry his nature. And so he says, look, if this, is, if this is how it's worked, if God's loved you this way, then you are full of that love, that divine love, and that you then, to complete that, love others. Notice, notice John says this, he says, which is kind of interesting. He says, no one has ever seen God. And, and, and we think about that and we think, okay, uh, how does that work? And you go to the Old Testament where, where Moses went, went to the, to the, to the Mount Sinai, and he, he, he was in the presence of God. And he came down from the mountain, and he was visibly different. He, he had changed somehow because he was in God's presence. But God didn't reveal his whole presence to Moses. When, when Elijah ran into the wilderness after God showed himself faithful, but he still was afraid of Jezebel. He ran and, 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 and he waited in the mountains and, and God said he was gonna pass by. And, and, and God says to Elijah that, he said, you'll only see my backside because if you saw me face to face, it, it would be too much for you. 
And, and, and so, so John says, no one has ever actually seen God. What he means is that no human has ever seen God in his unveiled essence, glory, and majesty. We will see God when we are perfected, when, when he gives us our new transformed bodies. But today we can't experience that kind of thing because of God's holiness and his righteousness and his justice. And so he says, no one has ever seen God, but he says, here's the, the reality. God can be seen reflected in the lives of those who demonstrate his love towards others. Do you know how you can see God? A reflection of God? You can see him in how we, as Jesus followers, love others. And here's, here's the hard thing. Here's some of the honest truth that's, that's kind of hard to take, is that, is that I think our culture and society around us doesn't expect to see God through the way we love them. And I don't think that's what our society has experienced often from the church. See, the best way that others can see Jesus is through us loving them. Loving them in the way that God defines this love in patience and in kindness and honesty. And again, those three things have to intersect because if we just love others patiently and kindly and we're not honest, we're not really loving them. And if we're just honest with others and we're not patient and kind, we're not loving them. <laughs> we're not doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Jesus commands you and I, if we follow him, to love people patiently, kindly, and honestly. And, and here's what that does in us. In the second part of verse 12, he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. See, our, our whole goal is to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. The whole point of our lives is that Jesus would make us more and more like him. And, and here's, here's what we tend to like to think, is we like to think that, that a lot of that transformation has to do with what we have to offer <laughs> and how we can work with God through this whole thing. Well, here's the reality, that, that the primary piece of transformation is us loving others not us, just us being better people. It's us loving others the way God has called us to love others. You see, the engine of, God, of love is God's abiding in us and us in him. Um, notice again what, what Paul says. He, says. he says, if we love one another, God abides in us. That is evidence that God lives inside of you and I when we love one another in this way, this first cause way. That, that, that again, remember that, that God loved us first before we did anything. God's love is a first cause type of love. So, so oftentimes when we interact with people, when we build relationships with people, there's something that they do that sparks us to pursue them. 
But that's not the way God's love works. It is a first cause. So we love before they give us reason to love. And, and, that, and that shows that God abides in us because we are acting like him. If we are acting like God, if we're behaving like God, if we are exhibiting the character of God, that means God is in us. That is a, that is a visible expression of God's abiding in us. We are receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. We're receiving and believing and trusting in the words of Jesus that we are able to, to follow through with this. And, and here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what John says, being moved by the Spirit. He says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what he's saying, and, and we gotta be careful when we hear the term perfect or perfected in the Bible because I think our concept of perfection is the idea that, that I'm in this state of, of bliss, that I'm completely happy, that, that there's no conflict, that, that I've achieved or gotten everything that I've desired and everything's done. That's what perfect is. That's not the biblical understanding of perfection. We think that way, but that's not what Paul, or John's saying when he says, and that love is perfected in us. You see, God's concept of perfection is this idea of being made complete, having what we need. It is a wholeness of purpose, is that we have come to the place of understanding and living out our purpose. It's not actually an end because we think of perfection as the end, right? We think, I want to get to perfection and then I'm done. See, perfection isn't the end. Perfection is a place that we can continue forward with great confidence. See, so what, 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 what John's saying there is that God's love is perfected in us. In other words, that we begin to, we begin to love more like God loves, and in doing so, it moves us forward, and it's kind of like the beginning of the journey. See, the beginning of the journey is when we finally get to a point that we recognize, we receive, and we accept God's love, the love that he loves us with. We acknowledge that he loves us. And when we get to that point and we begin to love others, God's love is being perfected in us. It's not the end of the journey, it's the beginning. And we start to love people in a better way. You see, God's love for us finds its purpose completed when we love one another. See, that's, that's what happens. God's love for me finds its purpose completed when I begin to love others in that same way. Think about that for a second. God's love is not completed just by him loving us. It's completed by me loving others. Now, here's the thing about all of this for me. Um, I've been really excited about preaching this series, but I've also been really frustrated the last three weeks. <laughs> 
Because every week, I have become more and more, I've become increasingly aware of how deficiently I love those around me. And everyone fits that category for me. Like I keep realizing more and more that, that I am so deficient in the way I love. And so, and so what I've been thinking about as, as I was walking through this, I was thinking I need to get better at certain areas of love. So, so, so the areas that I'm deficient in loving kindly, then here's where my thought process goes. I need to work harder to be kinder. The areas that, that, I, that I find myself impatient in loving, I find myself thinking through, okay, I need to work harder to be more patient. I need to practice being patient more often. I need to remind myself. Or the areas that I'm not as honest as I should be in loving other people, that I need to work harder in being honest with them. But here's the problem with that. I've become convinced and convicted that we are headed for insanity when we make this about working harder to love better. See, when we want to get better at something, we, we always tend to think of it in the context of working harder. I mean, just think about working harder. It has to do with me and my ability to work harder. If I'm not doing well at something, I just decide I'm going to do it better. So I'm going to work harder. I'm going to learn more about it. I'm going to understand it more. And I'm going to work harder. Here's the problem with that. Is that love comes from God. It doesn't come from me. I am not the one who generates this love for others. It's not something that is inherently a part of me because it comes from God through me. So how could I work harder to generate something that doesn't come from me? <laughs> does it, that doesn't make sense, does it? That doesn't work that way. And, and see, this love that I'm called to love others with comes from God. And so how am I gonna be kinder in the way I love people? How am I gonna be more patient in the way I love people? How am I gonna be more honest in the way I love people? Frankly, it's not for me working harder to be kind because you know what? I've tried that. I've been trying that all week. <laughs> and there's, been, there's one thing that happened recently that even in the midst of it, I was in my brain as words are coming out of my mouth that are unkind saying, that's not kind. <laughs> Stop doing that. And it kept coming out. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care right now if I'm not being kind. This is just what it is. I cannot work hard enough to love people the way God loves me to fix myself. Here's how we love better, is that we have to go back to the source. We have to go back to the source. If I'm going to be kinder, more patient, and more honest, I have to go to the source where that, that began. And so here's how, if you, like me, struggle with loving others, here's how that changes. And this is the only way, and it's going to take humility because... You can't work hard enough to love people well. And that humility comes this way. 
is that if I, if I recognize in my life that I need to grow in kindness towards others to love them better, I've got to go back to God and look at how God loves me kindly. I need to see and experience and recognize the kindness with which God loves me. And when I focus on that and recognize how ridiculously kind God is with me, then I can begin to rest in that and love others more kindly. The problem with that is that it makes much of God and doesn't make much of me. It takes away my power and control to, to make this happen. It means I have to trust and rely and surrender to God in my life so that I can carry out what he called me to do. Because when we receive a mission, don't we love to think, good, this mission is for me because I'm super good at accomplishing this mission. But God's given us a mission that we can't do unless we rely on him. <laughs> and, and so as I kind of challenge you this morning, as we look at the, the kind of, okay, now what? From, from what we've talked about the last three weeks, I want, I want to warn you that the temptation will be for you to say, I need to work harder to improve this part of how I love people. And I just want you to know that that's not gonna work. And it will drive you crazy and you will find yourself failing over and over and over again. And you'll find yourself in the place I often find myself in saying, I don't care. <laughs> because it doesn't work that way. So, so my warning, my caution is that you've, because it's been clearly established that this love is born and designed from God. That in order to love this way, you have to go back to the source. And, and so here's, here's the challenge that I wanna give, give our church, give us, is that, is that we would be people who are constantly growing and becoming more like Jesus in the way that we love others first that first cause type love, that, that we would love others first. And, and part of that is to try and look and, and begin to evaluate where you are. And I don't know if you've been in this place, but, but I've been in this constant place of evaluating how I do this. And I've, I've come to some, come to sort of some realizations about my own life. And, and, and so for lack of maybe even at least the best I can do to bring some clarity in my mind and the way I think, and this may or may not be helpful for you, so you can organize this however you want to organize it. But, but when I think of the people in my life across the board, I've been, I've been looking and seeing how I love people in different ways and how I'm deficient in the way I love people. And so, for example, if I start with like my, my family and those people that I'm really close friends with, I've realized that, that with my most significant relationships, one of two things happens. I tend to love them deficiently in the area of honesty or kindness. And when I say the area of honesty, I'm not saying that I lie to those who are closest with me. 
I think that there's a, a, a difference between lying and being dishonest at times. And here's what I mean by that, is, is when I see that I think lying is that intentionally telling somebody something that's not true. But the dishonesty that I've begun to recognize in my life with some that are significant, that I have significant relationship with, is this honesty piece that I, that I often won't say what's true whether it's how I'm feeling or what I might see in them because it just causes too much tension. <laughs> now, I know none of you would ever do that to someone <laughs> because you love them that much. <laughs> but I find that in some different relationships that I'm realizing in my life that, that I struggle with that piece of honesty. And really, it's to make myself feel better. <laughs> I also have realized in, a lot, in some significant relationships in my life, I have struggled with kindness. And, and, and that's an area that, that with, with those people, they kind of get the brunt of it. And I know that I, that I, it's funny, what I almost said is I know that I have to work on that. See how easy it is? It's so easy to go there. What I realize is that I've got to go back to God and see how he's been honest with me. God doesn't avoid tension in my life. I mean, it'd be great if he did every once in a while, but he doesn't. And, and, and so God goes there with that. And so, so, I see, and so, so I see in my friends, some of my, my family and friends, I see that coming out that way. And, and if I'm looking at kind of just kind of general acquaintances, people I know but don't know real well, and I would also put probably strangers in this category, but the strangers even, even worse. But I see that the area that I struggle with most in loving those people that I, that I don't know super well, but I know a little bit, I see that I struggle in patience. I find that I'm pretty honest and pretty kind, but I just don't want to spend a lot of time there. I don't want to wait. I want to get through this. It's even worse with strangers. I'm, I'm, I can be honest and kind, but I just want to keep moving. <laughs> and what God said to me is that you're not loving these people because you lack patience. It's so interesting how I can be so easily distracted to continue with my agenda or, or my routine when someone comes and interrupts it. And I've realized how little patience I have. I, I, have, I have a lot of patience with those who I have significant relationship with. But when it comes to those that I don't, God's revealed to me that I really have a problem with patience. And again, what is, what is an incredible statement from Scripture is that, is that God says when, when we were at enmity with him, God loved us and sent his son for us. When, when I was a stranger, God had the patience with me to love me. You see, when I look at that, 
there's a lot of conviction that goes on that I don't have patience with those that I see as strangers to me. And so I would challenge you this week to, to kind of take some time and look at the different people in your life, whether they're family and friends, whether they're acquaintances or they're strangers, and ask yourself this, how, how do you love them? How do you love them? And, 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 and do you really love them the way God has loved you, patiently, kindly, and honestly? Men, are you loving your wives this way? Wives, are you loving your husbands this way? Do you love your friends this way? Do you love the person that you run into that, that you didn't expect to run into and they kind of interrupt your flow? Do you love them this way? And so once you've recognized how you love them, the ways that you love them well and the ways that you fail, then work through this. How do you need to grow? How do you need to grow in that? And remembering how growth happens. Again, for me to grow in patience with those people that I run into, I've got to go back to the source and I've got to begin to reflect and accept the way God is patient with me. I've got to see that. And that will give me the power and the ability to love those people. How do you love those around you? And how do you need to grow? What areas do you need to grow? In the, in the pew in front of you, in the rack, there's a little square cards. Yep. Hold that up so everyone can see it. Perfect. Good job. Um, got those. I meant to have one up here, but I didn't, so thank you. <laughs> and uh, we, put, we put the diagram that, uh, that we, we introduced the first week, which I think was super helpful for so many people, that this is love. When we are patient, kind, and honest, that's the kind of love that God loves us. And when we, when we are deficient in one of those areas, we realize that our love can be enabling, it can be temporary, or it can be tolerating. And what God's revealed to me is that my love for those who I run into that I don't really have relationship with, my love is so temporary. <laughs> but that's where I need to grow. And, and so maybe a first step into this, into growing, maybe on that card to use this card to remind you to be that constant reminder of how God loves you and how he's called you to love others. And maybe the first simple basic step is to fill in where that line, who can I love first? Who has God placed on your heart? Maybe it's a category of people. Maybe it's the strangers in your life. Maybe it's a specific person who you know God is calling you to love immediately because they need to experience God's kind of love in their life. If you have a name or a category of people, you're welcome to write it down there under who can I love first. But here's the thing about, about what we've worked through in, in 1 John chapter 4. If we are going to genuinely reflect Jesus to a culture that is dying quicker and quicker every week, 
we've got to learn how to love the way Jesus loved. If we're going to be agents of change in the world around us, we have to love the way Jesus loved. People have to expect that love from us. And and frankly, right now, I don't think that people expect this kind of love coming from the church. And notice that this doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to sin because that would be dishonest, wouldn't it? it? It doesn't mean that we have to be mean to people because that wouldn't be kind. It means that we need to suffer long for the benefit of others so that they can find freedom and salvation in Jesus Christ the way we have. So my challenge to you this week is is to take kind of a self-inventory and maybe even ask others around you to help you to grow in the way that God's revealed to you. And go out this morning and love first with the kind of love that God has loved you with. I want to invite the prayer team to come up. And uh, if you want prayer this morning, um, you can come up after I've prayed and, and you can receive prayer. So prayer team, go ahead and come up while I close this in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and I thank you for your incredible love for us. God, you love me in a way that I don't deserve and that I didn't earn. But God, thank you for loving me that way. And Father, because you've loved me that way, I pray that that I would go to you and fill up and then pour that love out onto others. God, I pray that, that I would stop being so arrogant to think that I can somehow be better in and of myself. Father, I pray that you would help me to go to you, fill up, be perfected, find wholeness of purpose and completeness in experiencing your love so that I can go and begin to love those people that you've brought into my life in a way that they will experience your love through me, that I would become a better reflector. Father, that we as a body, as a church, as a people would reflect you more genuinely, that that while no one has ever seen you, God, that people would see a reflection of you and see what you look like because of their interaction with us. God, I pray that we will outlove the people around us. God, that we would outlove our culture, that we would outlove the, the anger that, that so deeply pervades our world, that we would outlove the injustice, that we would outlove the frustration, that God, we would outlove the attacks against your values and your, your precepts and your commands, that God, we would outlove all of those things. And that every time we would come back, God, and that we would find our fill in you and you alone. And that we, at least as a church, as a body, would be characterized by this kind of love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, please come forward and we'll see you next week.